And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 192. It's titled Supporting Others with Depression. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. All right, folks. It's a new month, and I've got more extra things for you this month, actually. Because of the first lockdown, I was able to record some bonus episodes that I've I've been um, putting in the middle of the month, because the people I wanted on the show had a little bit more time on their hands, and they were more likely to say, yes, okay, than no, I don't have the time. And because of the November lockdown, I was able to do two more. And with it being the Christmas period, and we all need cheering up a little bit, I thought I'd put them out in December. One with neuroscientist and author Dean Burnett and the other with comedian and author Robin Ince. Two really great guys. Not sure about how many I'll do next year. That's kind of up to you, actually. The feedback from the ones I've done so far are consistently positive, so it looks as if you like them. could just be that the listeners who skip them don't give any feedback. I've been asked about... um, Question and answer episodes, Q&A episodes, where you submit some questions and I give you my perspectives on it, almost like a, an agony uncle thing, but I'm not so sure about that. That seems so different from everything that I've been doing for the last literally 10 years that it might put too many off. I like the idea, though. Maybe I'll reserve it for Patreon episodes and maybe I'll have some other therapists join in on it and get some multiple perspectives. We'll see. But like I say, it's, it's kind of up to you. Another podcaster messaged me recently on Instagram and asked for some advice on how to get more popular. And um, I do want to practice what I preach to him, which is to find a balance between talking about the things that they wanted to talk about and the things that their listeners want to hear about. If the balance is off, then we don't keep our listeners, you see. If it's too much about what I like, it'll bore you. And if there's just too much fan service, but I've lost my enthusiasm, then it'll show. Either way, you'll switch off. So it's important that I find the right balance for you. Which is why when somebody emails me with a topic suggestion that's either outside of my scope of competence or interests, or is something that very few people give a monkeys about, it's not likely to come to the top of my ideas list. But one thing that has is today's topic. Because it's something that I guess I get asked a fair bit, really. And that's things like, how do I support my partner through their depression? Or... What can I do to help my friend who has a mental illness? And although we need to look at things on a case-by-case basis, everyone needs and wants something different, there are some main rules to follow, I guess, for want of a better phrase, rules. It isn't easy to ask, you see. Uh, Tempting as it is to say, just ask them what they need from you, there's more to it than that, because severe and even moderate level depression clouds our judgement. Too much to get a straight answer out of people. Someone with depression might feel as if they need to be alone, when actually they need the safety and security of people around them. Or at least the right balance between the two. But their depression alters the way that they think. Remember the thinking, feeling, doing loop that I waffle on about so much that our thoughts directly influence our emotions, which influences our behaviour, which gives us beliefs about self and a narrative about how we fit in in the world, 
more thoughts, which influence our emotions and round and round it goes, etc, etc. And to be honest, I think if you're listening to this, and obviously you are, but if you've been listening to my series for any length of time, then you're already doing something. You're learning more about what makes people tick. Don't underestimate that. But there are some do's and don'ts, like don't try to offer advice. I know it's tempting to do that, but it's unlikely that whatever you say they haven't already heard before, and it often makes people feel more hopeless. But you might feel the need to try and fix them. Be aware of that. Maybe look at where that idea comes from, because sometimes it's not just about having the wrong perspective or trying to help out of habit. It might come from a deeper sense of responsibility over things that go wrong, especially when it's our partner. Sometimes people think that it's their fault if their partner is depressed, and that's rarely the case. So at least it's rarely the case that if you're the sort of person to worry about whether you've contributed to your partner's depression, then you did. If you were the sort of person to cause depression in somebody, you're probably not going to be the sort of person to care much. There are exceptions. Being married to someone with a severe personality disorder could cause problems and maybe contribute to what we would call reactive depression, but clinical depression? Now, that's nobody's fault. It would be like blaming yourself for someone having a genetic heart condition. It's not your fault. So don't try to fix it. And this applies for other issues as well, actually. Sometimes we just want to moan and complain, don't we? We just need to have somebody listen to us whilst we have a whinge about our boss. That doesn't mean we then need our partner to say, well, here's what you need to do. And I get that people like that can sometimes carry around a feeling that if they were to turn it into words, it would be, well, if they don't want my advice, why are they even talking to me about it? And if this is you, be aware of that, because that's not healthy. And I could go into a deep dive as to how people develop that mindset, but it would probably fill the episode. Just notice if you think that way and back off. Just listen to them. Let them talk about how they're feeling without trying to then offer solutions. And if they don't want to talk, don't pressure them to. We want their brain to remember how to feel safe, not further deepen their depression with expectations from you that they can't meet. Be a support rather than a fixer. It's better for them and it's better for you as well, actually. You have to bear in mind we can't actually change other people. Accept those boundaries. Be okay with what you can and what you can't do. Accept the things you can't and do the things you can, even if all that is is just to be there, just sitting with them so that they're not alone. Even if their depression makes them feel as if they are, that might be all the support they need. One thing I would say, um, that while you're doing that, try not to offer perspectives and comparisons. I know it's tempting to try and help by saying things like, it's not that bad, or there's always someone worse off than you. I was talking about this on a patron-only episode a couple of weeks ago, actually, but it bears repeating. It might not seem obvious until you think about it, but there will always be someone worse off than you, no matter what you're going through. But that's irrelevant. By that definition... That means out of nearly 8 billion people on the planet, there's actually only one single solitary person that's actually allowed to be unhappy with their life right now. That's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what 
you have no reason to be depressed, there's always someone worse off than you, means. Now, if that attitude makes you feel better, then sure, think about that one person who has it worse than everybody else. If comparing your life to theirs gives you some perspective, do it. I wouldn't want to be contacted by the emotion police and told that, though. Hey, guess what? You're the one who's allowed to be sad today because nobody has life worse than you. Having said that, it's all a matter of perspective. It's not what we're going through that counts, is it? It's how we feel about it. I know it's tempting to try and show that you understand how they feel by comparing what they're going through with your own stuff. But it's likely that that's not what they need. Honestly, they don't need you to say, I know what you mean. I was bad last year when my mum died. It might be true, but it's not likely to help them feel supported. All it does is invalidate how they feel. Normalising negative emotions and even mental health issues is great, but how they feel isn't normal. Not to them. And although these things are said with the best intentions, the outcomes aren't the best. Not with clinical depression. If you have experiences to share with them about your past and how you felt, then the only way that's likely to help them is if you talk about it in such a way to inspire hope that how they feel isn't permanent. And maybe remind them that they haven't always felt this way. That can help. It might not change anything in the moment, but if they can see that depression isn't who they are, it's just something that they have right now, something that they have to learn to manage, that can help them feel a little bit more in control of their life, even if they can't see it at first. Be patient with them. It's not as if they, it's not as if they don't want to feel better. Depression is an illness and prevents people from thinking and feeling healthy. That's why it's important to say things like, I'm here for you. Especially with friends. People with depression push others away, you see. Their depression makes them feel unlovable, unlikable, embarrassed by their very existence, ashamed. Remind them that you care. If they keep away, then get in touch. Don't assume that they need to be left alone. There's a balance to be had. So if you already know that they're struggling and their text messages get fewer and fewer, further and further apart, if that's unusual for them, reach out. Ask them how they're doing. And if they if they just say, fine, then like the old Ask Twice campaign from Time to Change suggested, ask again. Text back with something like, are you sure you're fine, mate? You've been really quiet lately. I'm here if you need to talk. Depression is overwhelming, and thinking that they're a burden to others makes things worse. If you care for them, then show them that. If they'd broken their legs and were stuck in a wheelchair and couldn't reach something on a shelf, you'd pass it to them. If they were stuck in bed with influenza, you'd expect them to be weakened by it and would do things for them. Tell them that. But you wouldn't try to fix their flu. Or their broken legs. Because you know that their body needs to fix itself. It's the same with the brain. Support them in any way you can. But don't try to fix them. If they aren't eating right, then do some shopping for them. Invite yourself round to cook a meal or something. Chat to them about how to find a therapist. Or how they can approach their GP about medication. Both would probably be needed. But finding a therapist isn't easy. It takes a bit of time and effort. Scouring the... BACP and UKCP registers for people that that might be a good fit for them 
and people that are actually taking on new clients, a lot aren't. There's only so many people you can see at any one time. And until somebody comes to the end of their therapy with you, you can't take on any new ones. So there's a lot of emails to send. Help them with that if you can. Offer to take them to their appointments if they're face-to-face sessions. But although it's great to support someone who's struggling, somebody else who's struggling, don't leave yourself behind in the process. That's worth remembering. You're no good to anybody if you get overwhelmed. You can't pour from an empty cup, as the old phrase goes. Like I say to my clients, that it's fine for them to message me in between sessions. I can't guarantee that I'll have the time to reply, but I'll always read everything that they send me for us to talk about in their sessions. Offer a similar connection. Let them know that you understand how valuable having a rant can be. That if they want to complain about how angry their depression makes them, how fed up they are with how they feel, it's okay for them to tell you that. That you you know that they aren't asking you for solutions, that if they just need someone to offload to without judgment or criticism, then that can that can be you for them. You can do that for them. Show them the alternatives as well. For all you know, they, they want to talk to somebody in an emergency because their suicidal thoughts are too strong and they need somebody to keep them safe for a few hours whilst it passes. But they might not want that to be you. Relying on you in those moments might make them feel worse. Not always. But some people need a complete stranger in those times. That's why people like Shout and the Samaritans, Sane UK and Mind are there. I'll add some links into the show notes for you to share with them that you might find useful. So, to sum up, don't try to fix them. Just be there to listen. You don't need any magic words. Listening is usually way more important to somebody than talking to them is. Just Ask them if they need anything and show them that they're not alone. Now, I'll leave that with you. But before I go, I want to give a shout out to some new patrons of the podcast. So, big thanks to Jack, Anne, Leslie, Adam, Anna, Emma and Sarah. Thanks ever so much for coming on board. It makes it all worth doing. It really, really does. And if you want extra episodes every Monday morning from me, then hop on over to patreon.com. Pop my name into the search box. And before you know it, you'll have a load of extra bits to listen to. So thanks for listening. Have a super couple of weeks and I'll be back very soon. See ya. See ya.